Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your week in sports cars. We're going to say it, Graham Goodwin. It's a listener Q&A show indeed, not just the flappy gums. You and I running our mouths about all kinds of nonsense uh, episode. Let's say a big, big thank you to our new show partner, FAF Technologies, makers of pretty awesome carbon composite items. We'll tell folks more about that here in the coming weeks. Also, our dear friends at the Justice Brothers, suppliers of premium automotive chemicals and lubricants. And then TorontoMotorsports.com, purveyors of motor racing memorabilia. And they're from Canada, Graham, which means to be really nice and really good absolutely so that's what i got there thanks y'all for tuning in we'll speak to you next week um kidding aside <laughs> i'm also trying to see if we can organize a mashup of the mm-hmm. weekend sports cars podcast that being you and i in daytona mm-hmm. with right off track with hinch and rossi who wow are, uh, that'd be cool friends and whatnot th- not just organically, but also uh, through FAF. So uh, you know what? That, they're going to be they're going to be so buzzed to meet us. I'm just trying to figure out what to charge them. That, that's the only part that I haven't, <laughs> haven't fully worked out yet. But I will. I absolutely will. Um, anyways, how are things in your world, brother? It's freezing cold here in the UK. I pitch black at the moment, um, but busy. Uh, firmly at the moment into our preparations for the Rolex 24 Daytona. And as you'll be fully well aware, MP, it has been a catalogue of last-minute driver announcements coming through, including multiple of those today. Um, your good friend, um, uh, you know, we got Jesse Crone uh, with the full season, the last full season um, spots at uh, BMW Team RLL. Replacing Augusto uh, Farfus. If I remember correctly, or indeed, correctly, correct, correct, correct on that one. Which I don't. Alex Palou at uh, Cadillac uh, again. They've got the band back together for twenty twenty two. But whatever driver is mentioned here, uh, Proton Competition, by the way, with a stellar lineup in their uh, GTP, yeah, uh, Porsche across all their stacked. yeah, across all their entries. Corey Lewis on the uh, Mustang uh, yep. GT three side. I mean. Yeah, we get to see Romain Dumont plus Neil Johnny. Come on. I mean, that that's yeah. right there. That's just a ball of fun. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, Picariello in that car as well with his first GTP. But all of that, all of that is put firmly in the shade, my friend, by two announcements. or Well, one announcement, one story. The announcement coming from an LMP2 team. And that's not a driver, although we have had some big-name drivers uh, announced this week as well. Sean Creech Motorsport uh, completing their squad, Dragon Speed completing their squad. But it's not Dragon Speed, it's Spike the Dragon. That's the big news uh, out there. That's the story that's uh, hitting the big numbers um, on social media. AO Racing, with Rexy moving up to GTD Pro, and Spike the Dragon is the new color scheme for their LMP2 Orica. And that, my friend, is going to be, I think, the fan favorite at Daytona and through the season. With one exception, which we're going to come to in a moment, because I've got some questions about what you've been up to this week. No, no. But what, do you think about Spike, what do you think about Spike the Dragon? You know, I, the name's cute. I thought 
it might be better served named as Winnie because when I saw the colors, it struck me as, hey, is that a PR1 Matheson uh, entry? Because those look (laughs) remarkably like Ben Keating, who carried, right, the wind's colors. Sure, looks like someone had some extra win related colors left over at the uh, good old wrap uh, printing machine. So that was my first thought of I love it. I just, for those who've seen that car in the orange and purple and whatever colors, that language might be a little bit of a thing to purge from your brain and um, see this as its own unique item. But love it. Absolutely love it need more of this this is the thing that i mean we're adults and we love it but this is the kind of thing where every kid in 20 years time when you ask a whatever 25 year old at sebring at wherever hey what was the first race car you remember they're going to tell you it was either rexy roxy or spike so spike. good they most certainly are. So, so another one knocked out the park and apologies for that uh, opinion to gunner jeanette and uh, if you drop me an email gunner i will tell you how to get hot coffee off of uh, a, a computer monitor that's uh, that's absolutely fine the other thing i was going to ask you about which is a story i've not seen anywhere else i saw it on racer.com my second favorite racing website um and it has your byline on it. Talk to me, Marshall Pruitt, about Brad Pitt. Okay, first of all, I'm glad to hear we've reached number two. I know we'll never <laughs> displace OnlyFans for you as number one, but, you know, we're uh, New Year's resolutions, I guess. Uh, yeah, had been hearing, you know, some little rumblings and grumblings and whatnot that the, I believe, as yet unnamed Brad Pitt Formula One movie He's starring as Sonny Hayes. This is, again, we'll see what the movie ends up being, but at least from how it's been described by them, it sounds like driven the Formula One movie uh, of the aging driver who comes back to assist a struggling young driver. Um, Been hearing that there could be some filming of this at Daytona. And not just at Daytona in isolation, like, hey, we're going to film just some testing scenes and there's no other connection to it. But been hearing that we might have, indeed, uh, the film crew there for the entirety of the event. The event being the roar before the 24 through the race itself. I've, again, these are things have on pretty good authority, but of course they could always adjust or change or could be a little bit off but have heard there is indeed a entry into the race a non point scoring I, I guess i don't know but a entry in the race itself uh that have a car done in whatever race livery uh where the character i'm getting again this isn't a full assumption on my part but it would seem to fit if we have the driver old driver making their name pop up again and then being sought to help a young driver thing, you'd probably have to have that driver, older driver, doing something somewhere to catch people's attention. The thought of that being in IMSA 
wouldn't stand out as overly crazy knowing that you're not going to get a hold of a gtp car most likely uh nor is that something you'd probably want them driving the actors i guess a p2 could be possible but gt just seems like a better fit to me so what i've heard so hang on a minute hang on a minute so this is a storyline that has grizzled cynical hardened professional driver presumably in some kind of heroic run up through the field that catches the eye of someone so that they can then go and uh, be picked out from relative obscurity uh, to go and help at the cutting edge of world it's nick tandy isn't it it is you've just you have sussed this whole thing out uh this is the nick tandy story uh we can do a hashtag breaking exclusive scoop and tell folks that brad pitt has indeed been fired replaced by nick tandy so uh, everything oh, there what hashtag what could possibly go wrong yeah, everything there is factually inaccurate so um <laughs> what i've heard uh i didn't include this in the story on racer uh but i've okay. heard uh from a couple of sources know some folks involved with the film uh but i've heard that uh we should not be shocked graham if mm-hmm. we were to see long-time sports car entrant Wright Motorsports fielding Ooh. a Porsche, uh, whatever the movie car, hero car might be. So not confirming that as fact, just saying that if you were to see that, don't be surprised. Okay. <clears throat> so don't know all the details. Don't know who, if the entire, you know, all the actors are going to be there. Uh, you would assume brad pitt would be there i'm guessing um damson idris uh who's one of our favorite uh actors was the uh, lead character in a uh, show here on fx called snowfall um Mm -hmm. he's in the movie i don't know who else is in it but um yeah again it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see how this integrates doesn't integrate i don't know within the thing we're there to do <laughs> which is to yeah well host yeah. the first imsa race of the season in a major championship i think the last time now this i guess is also fun alignment there too the last time i can recall being at a actual racing event part of a championship with a film being captured within that event was was it 99 or 2000 when driven was being filmed i have one memory of uh, i think it was 2000 walking onto pit lane at toronto for the toronto indycar race and again just having to walk out and go to a pit lane to go to a timing stand for some reason whatever it was and walking out to the main entrance to pit lane, hanging a left and having to kind of scramble and jump out of the way. Because when I looked up, I saw a uh, camera person holding whatever mobile camera compared to one on a rig and a bunch of producer and sound people behind them walking backwards as the character, I forget the actor's name, but he was playing Brett Crusher Murray, who's a, a good friend. Uh, I think Burt Reynolds uh, and maybe someone else. So they were filming a scene for the movie, which I think made it into the movie, but 
anyways, I just pure coincidence happened to walk out that was going on and I had to, uh, basically jump out of the way to not screw up the shot and I guess trip one of the, the, the shooters or the sound folks, but, uh, yeah. So, Hey, a movie that is sure sounds a lot like driven 2024 well, I, um I, i've done a i've done a bit more recently that 2002 le mans where they filmed the yeah hopefully appalling michelle violent movie with uh dams running a lola and a panos for the hero and the um the his his uh, uh what can you call it they call leader i think in the uh, the comic books the french language comic books is his um, sworn enemy and we also had, rather oddly, at the Spa 24 Hours, it would have been around that same time, 2002, 2003, um, a, was it a Surtec-run Porsche with the, the reference points that you use for uh, computer um, graphics. So it must have been pretty early on. In that, uh, and that was for a Russian-language film called Red River, which I've never seen anything... Um, about at all but uh, that was filmed in the middle of a race there have been others that you know you've seen some bits and pieces of footage here and there but you know not much at all so we'll be interested to see whether or not if it is right motorsport they are entered of course for the rolex 24 with the number 120 car whether or not it is that car or whether or not there is going to be another car outside of competition but that's going to be one to watch yeah so there you go maybe it's another team we'll find out uh i mean we'll you and i will be there in little over a week so uh yep. <clears throat> we're gonna see something i'm sure we'll get some instructions from imsa on what we can and can't do in terms usually of, sit down and shut up i think is the normal way yeah well <laughs> and then we also have the filming here to consider as well so uh hey our dear friend daniel summersgill has taken mm. the it's not an array of questions. It feels more like a barrage, but the best kind of barrage of questions for us to run through. So speaking of sit down and shut up, why don't we, I think we're already sitting. So why don't we just shut up about everything else and uh, move right into the questions and we're back. We open the show, Graham, with one of Daniel's favorite topics. How do we know this? Cause it keeps putting it up top driving standards and full course yellow. Daniel is a man so, so, of procedure and order. So I, I'm going I'm to fling a couple of these your way. Um, we start with Josap 97. Do we know if measures have been taken or are being actively discussed to be implemented for Daytona to improve the driving standards? Might be a great source of frustration if last year's trends continue. Uh, Garrett, Bat- Garrett Batten, by the way, adds on, has also done anything in the background to try and limit the time lost to yellow in the 24 this year. I mean, not having LMP3 was a good start, but in terms of procedural time loss, any tweaks that we may not yet have heard about. So there you go. I'm going to just throw you what we would term in rugby, a hospital pass. I don't even know what that means, but there we go. It basically means you're going to get crushed. (laughs) Here we go. Uh, I have no idea. I don't know. These are great questions I should ask. We know that driving standards are the thing. It's... It's almost like we take, I forget which pill it was in the matrix, whether it was the blue or the red that just makes you forget reality and live in this little happy fake land where, uh, everything's great. It's like we take that pill 
at the start of every major <laughs> racing season where driving standards are a concern. And so to me, this isn't limited to IMSA. IndyCar as well certainly could could do for some uh, rethinking here. But I don't know. But it does feel like we have this general idea raised every year, Graham, at this exact time. Hi, last year's thing was a bit of a who knows what. Not great at all times. What can be done to make it better? Well, what IMSA does and other series do is they go into that first race and have a big old driver's meeting. Team managers are there, possibly team owners as well. And they don't necessarily shout, but they give full expectations for what they want to see, what's allowed, what's not allowed, need to do better, need to give each other more respect. Uh, Daytona specifically, hey, the same old stuff right you can't win the race in the first corner but you sure can lose it and those kinds of things hi are you going to dive into that impossibly small gap that you see seven hours into this 24-hour race and is that going to be the thing that gets you victory no but it can definitely get you broken parts or get you directed to pit lane to sit in the penalty box so these are the same things that get said every year and i don't know how you say them in any new or different way to be honest where you go okay now now graham okay they came up with a phrase they came up with a threat they came up with a penalty where oh and look at that 24 hours of angels or 12 or whatever it might be and again this is not exclusive to imsa it's whack it's wherever else um the only thing that stood out from last year that I think might be something to reconfigure a little bit if the series agrees is there was more of a driver's have at it approach. Just mm-hmm. talking generalisms here, right? Mm-hmm. But just felt like there was a little bit more of a, hey, we're going to tell you we don't want you to do any of this, and we're going to tell you that we have very high expectations. And here's the penalties if you do things that are wrong, but the, hey, no call on that contact and no call on that incident and the no call here and there. Just remember that standing out more often than I thought uh, or than I expected. So that's the only area where I wonder if there might be a harsher or less lenient approach to blowing the referee's whistle to open the season and not just at Daytona, but at Sebring and at Long Beach and Monterey and open the first three, four races of the year, Graham, with a, we're going to, we're going to try and set a policy and really be committed to it in a strict manner. Could that be the thing that improves overall behavior on track? Possibly, but uh, something you and I will probably learn a little bit more about once we get to the track. I think that's absolutely right. Let, looking at the other side of this this coin, in terms of instead of the the bad boys and girls, what about the good boys and girls? Max B one four eight says, uh, which Daytona rookie drivers are the complete rookies to Daytona, or just new to their class? Are you most looking forward to seeing race, and which lesser known drivers should be on fans' radars? Well, I'm going to go swift uh, swiftly look up the 
the entrance for that one, because I think it's a cracking question. Um, I'll name one straight off the bat. Uh, not an absolute Daytona rookie, because did do, I think, the opening couple of races a couple of years ago in GTD Pro. But named this week as part of the crew for um, the Proto Competition car, the number five GTP um, Mustang sampling car. And that's Alessio Picariello, who, despite the fact he's got the most Italian name in the world, is actually Belgian. Um, <laughs> and I love it. It's a, it, there you go. It's a big, and by the way, his, his first name is Clement, not Alessio, but he goes under Alessio. Um, so. It's a big step up for him. Uh, Proton have been testing a number of talented young drivers in their LMP2 cars with a view to seeing who might make the cut for their uh, GTP and hypercar programs this year. So it would be interesting to see what we see with um, with the WC uh, effort this year too. So looking forward to seeing what we might see from that young man. Um, just looking further down the order here, not a lot of new names in um, GTP. There's, there's one guy here, he's, he's, he's driven GTP before, just as a one-off. And I've never, I think he's British. J- Jensen B- Button? Button? Jake Button, I believe. Jake Button. Yes. Uh, did he, though? Was he? Was he? Has he raced before? Is he not? Yeah, he raced JDC race? Miller, Is didn't he? Did he do JC? JDC. It was a JDC Miller at no, um, no. Petit Le Mans. I only. That's a name that's only familiar to me from Baja Off-Road Racing. So there I, you go. I, I think, yes, I think you might be off on this one, but that's okay. We still, uh, <laughs> we still accept you uh, for sure. Um, yeah. How's this? Let's just go with that because we have a lot of other questions to get through. Go for it. Uh, why don't Go I hurl? What am I hurling at you? Uh, Jens Jensen. This is a good yes. one. Hey, this, this is a hospital pass as well. What will be the highest classified GTD car in the Rolex 24 gram GTD pro or GTD regular? It's, it's, it's a very, it's a very clear answer, but for a very odd reason. And I can tell you 100%, it is absolutely going to be whichever car, uh, Brad Pitt's in for, uh, for a simple reason because he won't be as quick as most people without a shell of a doubt. He will lack for speed. We know what happens in those circumstances. If a driver can see there's a car not up to speed ahead, he's going to ask the spotter, ask the pit crew um, what's going on with the car ahead. Who's in the car? Who's in the car? And they're going to say pit. So they're not going to overtake. They're going to pit. Oh, he's just so, going to be stopping the whole dang race. Absolutely. So yeah. everybody... Yeah. Anyway, so moving forwards, what do I think? I think looking at the, the depth of quality in GTD Pro, um, I think it's going to be a GTD Pro car that's actually uh, heads this race at the end. I'm going to put myself right out there and say I think it's very early doors for both the new Corvettes and the Mustangs. Um, and I'm looking down this order friends at Faf Motorsports that McLaren if that car is up to speed and it's got four very very capable drivers in it the Vassar Sullivan Lexus looking good as well stacked crew in the Iron Lynx Lamborghini um Rizzi's Ferrari 
You know, there, there's so many that could, for that matter, the AO Racing Rexy and the AO Racing car, for the want of just picking one out of the pack, I'm going to say between Faf Motorsports and Paul Miller Racing. Because Paul Miller Racing stepping up to GTD Pro stomped the field uh, last season in GTD. And with Neil Verhagen, you know, one of a crop of truly talented young BMW factory drivers and Sheldon van der Linde, well, you know, needs absolutely no introduction to uh, anybody in the van der Linde family. Um, and with Brian Sellers and Madison Snow, that's looking pretty good to me. So I think we we could see if that BMW is on song and we have to add in the hashtag BOPenis um, is in their favour because that's going to p- play a part here. I think... We could see Paul Miller racing up there. I think we could see Faf Motorsport up there. But I think what we're going to see more than anything, MP, is one hell of a battle across the two GTD classes. I'll, and I know I'm going back a question of rookies. True, I think, maybe some most true rookies to the Rolex 24. And if I'm wrong, well, you know, what else is new? Um, Felipe Massa, LP2, right? <laughs> That's going to be awesome. Um, how's yes. this? I'm hoping nobody intentionally crashes during the race and uh, half points are awarded for LMP2 and 10 years from now or whatever, we learn about a lawsuit trying to claim true uh, victory of the LMP2 class because of whatever. Uh, It would be hilarious if Nelson PK Jr. was in uh, another P2 car. But again, I'm petty, so that's why that comes to mind. Uh, Bijoy Garg as well um yeah in lmp2 this kid uh young young american kid really stood out last year in lmp3 uh really strong as well on the american junior open wheel ladder excited to see him for sure and the other last one that comes to mind connor zillish who'll be with uh era motorsports in p2 as well there's there's a lot of like, hey, I mean, Hunter McElray going to be with TDS. A lot of, lot look, of strong, fun, young drivers. And then we also look have... Out for, look out slightly older, um, but look out as well for Lawrence Herr, who's in the, uh, the high-class car. Uh, now, I think he is a full rookie at Daytona. Um, I am just looking here. No, my apologies. I was just looking at his record. He actually had been a podium finish in LMP3 from Milner Motorsports uh, three years ago. But he is wicked quick and was good enough, bless him, um, to pick up the phone and thank me for the introduction I made to Anders back at um, High Class Racing. So that appears to be the reason why he's got the drive. Um, so I'm delighted with that. He's properly quick and finding that racecraft with uh, coming with the speed as well. So he's another one to, to watch MP. Um, again, LMP2, if they can stay out of trouble, could be an absolutely cracking race. Yeah. Um, that's going to be an element to watch, and we will cross all appendages, um, <laughs> knowing that LMP3 gone as a WeatherTech Championship level class. We're seeing some folks who were decent at the yeah. P3 level now stepping up to P2 uh, on the topic of hoping we do not burn thousands yeah. of gallons of fuel in the pace car. Um, 
I'm just hope again, I'm sure like many, uh, I'm hoping that all goes smoothly there. Uh, let's see. What can I do question wise to fire at you? Uh, do we just move on to a new category or uh, do we I think we should. Let's okay. go for that. Uh, Meyer shank racing. Uh, there's a great question here, uh, from Dave love 50. Uh, I still need, I have call shank on my list of, uh, things to do and I failed to do that before the show. So, uh, maybe we'll circle back, uh, Daniel, if you can hold this maybe for next week, hopefully have an answer there. Um, number of questions about shank. So, uh, Give me, give me a week. Do a Michael Shank special. Yeah. And I got another driver or a driver I need to call and ask questions about as well. Uh, why don't we go to out the outsiders? A question Ooh. from the man himself, Daniel S. Summergill, Esquire. No, Daniel S. Summergill. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, I am, yeah, Marshall P. Ruitt. So there you go. Graham G. Udwin, uh, Udwin. says, with IMSA ruling out any kind of balance of performance in LMP2 between the Arecas and Liget, yeah. Sean Creech Motorsports team, the one and only fielding something other than an Areca, although there's still time to get a Riley, no, yeah, Riley Multimatic uh, P217 or whatever that model was called. Uh, Not out, I something. Guess. Um uh, are the Sean Creech Motorsports folks simply going to be making up the numbers, Graham, or could they find mm-hmm. performance from the Liget that no one else has previously and surprise us all and be competitive? Uh, okay. I um, love, right. Well, I think I the f- first thing to say about LMP2, you're correct, no balance of performance. A lot of the balance of performance comes from the performance of the bronze driver. And there are a number of very experienced bronzes indeed at the Rolex 24 Daytona, and a number of them with experience at that race. Um, Lance Wilsey at Sean Creech Motorsport, one of the nicest people in that paddock. Um, yep. Last year when they had uh, problems, was just so generous with his time when I was going and asking goddamn stupid questions at God knows what time of that evening uh, to try to get... Uh, a bit of a handle on what was going on. Um, that, and I think Lance would, would happily acknowledge, is probably their weak uh, part. He has been out testing with that car, but it is his first year in uh, LMP2. And I think that's the weak point for that car. The the, the bit about, you know, Orica versus Ligier, blah, blah, blah. The Ligier's not a bad package, you know. And it's certainly not a bad package uh, I don't think around that circuit. The the weak point for the for the Liche has long been the gearbox part of the drivetrain, um, and the reason, the principal reason, repeated time after time after time to me for a number of teams that were running something other than an Orica became performance related, principally because the uh, Orica became the default setting for tyre development through the years. So as more and more Oricas were out there, more and more the tyre testing was done with Oricas. The tyres were then tested effectively around the Orica package, which meant that the Ligier, and for that matter, the Delara, were falling off the island quicker and quicker. Uh, Am I saying that this car is going to come forward in this pack and surprise everybody? No, I'm not. But a Ligier JSP217 
is not a joke. It is a car that has won races, not recently because there's not been many, if any of them, out there. Uh, but, you know, when, when Lance can actually get his head around that car, and he, by the way, would not be the first driver at bronze level that actually finds himself more in his zone in a P2 car than a P3 car, P3 cars notoriously tricky to drive, then you might see something a little more from that package. But it is very new uh, to the team. They've got highly experienced driver in Joao Barbosa, of course. Um, but the, the, the weak point of that team is likely to be that their bronze driver is still finding their feet. So, yeah, I, I kind of get it. It's we, we look every year, don't we, for what's the what's the cheap shot we can give? Not a fan of those. And I think in this instance, this is one of a number of teams finding their route to stay into the Emsworthers Exports Car Championship through LMP2 in this instance. And I'm delighted we've got this to talk about, to be honest with you, uh, MP. I love LMP2 racing. It doesn't bother me in the slightest if we've got a, you know, a, a heck of a bunch of oracles and we're, they're giving us great racing. That doesn't bother me in the slightest. But it's certainly nice to be able to have something as a yardstick for how good those cars are. Completely agree here. Love that we have the proverbial misfit toy, right? Uh, among the here's tons and tons and tons of the same thing. So I'm glad I love having a leash in the class yep. of the setting practical expectations. There's a, just a couple, couple things to note. We did have that chassis in action in IMSA, uh, when yep. we went to this new formula in 2017, um, ran for a while became somewhat quickly evident to folks that the Eureka 07 was the car to have the setup window on the Eureka as race engineers tell me is just a giant thing. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to make the car work at any point in time, not saying the Liget was or is extremely hard to uh, get to make work, but this is the reality that Sean Creech is facing. You have the past however many years at Le Mans, 20-ish, maybe even more LMP2s running, low drag uh, configuration, similar thing that we do here at Daytona, and basically been all Arecas and tons of development and massive amounts of feedback for the manufacturer to know what's needed for those cars to succeed. It is the David and Goliath scenario where you go, okay, <clears throat> there's nothing saying that Elysee can't be somewhat competitive, but no one's really been running them at the top level for a while, and therefore there isn't much in the way of new modern development uh, to be spoken of with that model to mm -hmm. then be used to go up and try and beat the Eureka 07. So being the one team with that chassis, it's cool, and I appreciate the variety. I also know, boy, there's a lot of smart folks who have been running 07s for a good while now who are pretty happy at what they're going to do from Daytona 
to road Atlanta. And that's a big wave of knowledge and development, uh, to try and overcome by a extremely good, excellent privateer team, uh, but not a giant team and one that is also running the car for the first time. So they have some very good drivers involved. Lot, everything about the program here is high quality. We just have to be honest with ourselves and saying if they're able to run top five, top 10 at Daytona and then again at Sebring and wherever else, like this is going to be excellent. If they don't, let's not jump on them right away and say, oh, terrible, uh, never going to be good. The team also needs to be given time, Graham, to figure out oh, yeah. how to make that car go around sebring and go around name the various uh other events the team is also needing some time so i would hope as you mentioned that this isn't something where folks just pounce and go oh terrible write them off immediately give them a little bit of time but also don't set wild expectations for them to magically find what no other team found to take down the 07s as as I'm, i'm very fond of saying about lmp2 racing it's not bop'd um, and everybody's got the same engine in the same chassis with, broadly speaking, uh, the same bits and pieces attached to that car. It's a homologated car. And yet and yet, some of those cars are an awful lot quicker than others. It is A lot of it is about the team as well as the driver lineup. And you know, I think wise words from you, uh, Marshall Pruitt, and that fun. Uh, what I would say to them is good luck, guys, because it is great to see you. Rooting for uh, them back the out whole back time. Absolutely. Great to see them there. And uh, the drives that they've got in that little team, um, hopefully they're encouraged to stick around, work through whatever issues they've got, and let's see where, that, where, where this journey takes them. That'd be an interesting one. What else? Um, about 15, 20 minutes, maybe. So, okay. uh, yeah. You want to rattle through a couple of these outsiders ones and throw them in the ring and we'll decide yes. who's going to grab them? Yes. Uh, let's see. Aiden T06. Last mm. year's Rolex was dominated by arguments about BOP, mainly from the Porsche GT camp. With new GT3s for this year, can the same be expected? I want to talk a little bit about that, Graham, about the December yep. BOP test and the new approach IMSA took to try and make sure that with more new models slash uh, some Evo models as well coming in that uh, last year's Porsche-related stuff uh, was avoided at all costs. Uh, I, um, I think we, we can talk about it. Uh, I, I think you're picking the wrong example in highlighting the Porsche. I think that's a highly controversial part of what was kicking around about BOP at the beginning of last season. Uh, we, we've talked about that a number of times on the weekend sports cars. That was a car that was not delivered to teams in a state in which it should have been, to be blunt. Um, it is a conversation I've had with multiple people at very high levels indeed at Porsche. And um, there was, uh, how to put this, a revelation when we got into the spring that there were things that needed to be sorted with that car. BOP most certainly helped it. Of course, the car with a uh, with a favourable BOP took the win at Sebring, um, but it needed the BOP. BOP is not supposed to fix a car that's not performing well. That's the point here. That's not what this is supposed to be. BOP is built upon the figures provided by the manufacturer and then endorsed through testing and race data. And... 
you know, I'm I'm absolutely not going to say that balance of performance should not be criticised where there are issues, but I'm not a fan of the politics that goes on both sides of this. Uh, and, you know, I'm looking at some of these factories and saying, yes, you guys, uh, where games are played and times in testing and times in practice may or may not mean anything. Uh, I, I came to this this uh, uh, this subject last when we were out in Macau and uh, had a goodly selection of high-quality GT3 cars on a completely unique circuit, of course, and was talking to a team manager uh, representing one manufacturer, um, team, a team boss for one manufacturer, and offering the opinion that it looked pretty close, to which he just he burst into uncontrollable laughter and said, no, what you will see is when we get to the race, the Mercedes AMGs will run away with it. And then gave me several reasons why that would be the case. And that's exactly what happened. And it's all about the, state, the, 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 the way in which the car is presented and put onto track for the early track sessions, uh, the level of confidence they've got with the data they've got for the running they've done at that track with those tyres in those conditions. And um, they did indeed have something still to play with. So I, like you, MP, have got burned into my brain the phrase, you know, we're screwed by BOP from insert name of just about every driver that's ever raced in a GT3 spec car, uh, and GTE for that matter. Um, and it's it's a bit old, to be honest with you. It's not always the reason. It sometimes is, but it's not always the reason. You want to blame BOP, then what you need to look at is not the um the the slowest car on track it's whether or not the slowest cars on track when you get in particular to qualifying are all the same make and model that's the point at which we can start deciding whether or not balance of performance is indeed the problem and then at the end of the first stint and then at the end of a second tire stint um for me balance of performance has become too easy a target it's not perfect quite often it's very good Without it, we wouldn't be talking about a field as deep as we've got in any of these classes outside of LMP2, without a shadow of a doubt. And I'm a firm believer, MP, in this this debate to say, guys, you all signed up to this rule set. You've invested heavily against this rule set. Can we get on with it? Yeah, let's get on with the show. Uh, why don't we go to Craig Johnson? Says MP, which uh dragon is better the gainsco red dragon uh, the bob mm. stallings racing miss bob stallings by the way uh or ao racing spike can't wait for the imsa season to start best wishes to you and your brave and strong wife thank you craig it's sweet of you which one's better i don't know if, if i've got to a better yet because i need to see spike in person yeah it's cool yeah, to I'll see think, think. renderings video and whatever but uh yeah, and also Red Dragon is more of a name than yeah. an actual like. Oh, they put a Red Dragon on the car. Uh, so I think if we're looking at dragons, the team that actually has put a dragon on their car might win that one. But 
need to see it in person first. So, again, that's just how my head works. I could be totally wrong, but, you know, you could call the car uh, Harold. But if there's nothing on it that says, oh, yeah, the car is clearly Harold, like, okay, I don't know. You're just calling it something. Uh, AO's gone. The extra effort of actually creating an entire livery that is a uh, dragon. So I'm leaning there, Craig. But, uh, yeah, let me see it in person. And uh, I don't know. I will respond in some way. It might just be something you hear showering down from overhead uh, as I yell it loudly uh, with your name attached to it. What, what we don't yet know, by the way, is if any part of that livery is fluorescent. That could be quite interesting. Does that thing stand out in the, in the dark uh, under lights at Daytona? That could be quite an interesting one as well. Uh, moving on, Sean Broderick says, how much will Faf's McLaren... 570S, excuse me, FEL GT4 experience help it with a transition from Porsche to the 720S GT3 in IMSA? And what, if any, factory support comes along with being a manufacturer nominated entrant? Um, well, certainly uh, the soft landing will have been provided in two regards. One is that FAF Automotive is, if I'm correct, I think the biggest US McLaren dealership network so the corporately there are uh, some very strong ties across the whole of the faf um, corporate body that's going to help in terms of the the bargaining power the channels of communication that are that are important particularly when uh, you need to get things done and done quickly the second part of it is is that uh, every single imsa race that i've been to that's featured uh, either whether it's sports car championship and or pilot challenge, I've bumped into the same couple of people that I know well from McLaren uh, uh, Motorsport. Uh, so yes, their engineering guys will be there, will be on site, will be able to help the team to learn and troubleshoot. And that in no small part is part of the package that comes with this kind of effort included in that package as well will be factory drivers, Frederick Schandorf as part of the uh, the lineup in, in that car, and may well also include some kind of support in terms of the, uh, the parts, the components, and the car itself, for that matter, um, that are required to go racing. Every deal is different, and it's very rude to ask exactly what the terms are, of any of them, but I can tell you that certainly McLaren were very keen indeed to get a car into that GTD Pro class and are indeed completely delighted they've managed to do it and more delighted still with the fact that it's a team of the quality and the racing CV of FAF and more delighted still beyond that that they're Canadian and therefore polite. Yes, well, mostly polite. Um the thing to know here is, as Graham mentioned, not aware of whatever the business arrangements happen to be, but this is an engagement between McLaren and FAF to compete together in the factory class in IMSA. So that GTD Pro entry is not a, a quote, privateer. Everything Graham just mentioned about <clears throat> factory driver support and so on. I mean, these are all meaningful things, but... Yeah, this is not a McLaren Works program, as in they have a U.S. racing base or a Canadian racing base, and this is being fielded out of the McLaren factory. 
this is what we so often see uh, and again happens uh, always seemingly and that is an alignment with a high quality championship level team corvette racing it's not run out of uh, the the renaissance center it's run out of pratt and miller right specialized dedicated racing team uh and, and keep working down the list uh, lexus there they do not have lexus does not have a lexus motorsports base with a full dedicated team that builds and runs cars on its behalf it engages with vassar sullivan same exact relationship here is what we were talking about with mclaren and faf linking up and here is a great facilitator in this uh first factory uh venture in gtd pro so really excited to see how this works out and uh obviously uh mclaren goodness is pretty amazing Ooh. how's this this is something our, our friend uh Derek Koska, who runs owns and runs torontomotorsports.com uh, told me in a call we had last week wasn't speaking specific to any one series that mclaren is engaged in knowing that whether it's f1 now formula e uh indycar uh all kinds of great stuff. McLaren, merch, just that papaya orange, you name it, is, I don't remember whether he said number one or number two in terms of uh, interest and folks wanting to acquire those items. But he said it was really amazing where you go, wow. Obviously, they do a great job, uh, McLaren, with the social promotions, Lando yep. Norris, uh, Oscar Piastri, you're an IndyCar uh, with Pato Ward and so on, Alexander Rossi, David Malukas. Um, as a brand, it has been a revelation to learn how huge McLaren happens to be. Not talking internationally, Graham, talking about mm -hmm. how it's been received here in North America uh, by wow. folks who indeed <laughs> can look at the metrics and go, Oh boy, we cannot keep McLaren stuff again with all the various drivers I named or whatever series they might be in. We cannot keep that stuff in stock. It sells so quickly. I would anticipate we'll be talking about the same thing once uh, the new FAF McLaren GTD Pro entry hits the track and becomes a thing. So, so yeah. you, you, you said the number two. I take it, take it, the Marshall Pro podcast is number one, presumably. Or is it still Gustavo Yakaman? Yeah, it's the yak attack. Yes, that is P1. Uh, that is P1 on the, the sales list. Yes, for sure. Uh, Brandon Bird says, is an opportunity being missed by not running the Garage 56 Camaro at Daytona, I presume, like was done with the Delta Wing? Um, it was crafted and I think budgeted as well, Brandon, as a one-off event. Uh, for the yep. car to compete. So knowing that, what, less than a month after the Rolex 24, the Daytona 500 will take place at Daytona, at its kind of birthplace uh, ceremonial home and whatnot with cup cars, including Camaro Z01s, which is what the Garage 56 car was based off of. So if I had to guess... The folks at NASCAR, knowing that NASCAR owns IMSA, probably even the folks at IMSA, uh, said, you know, 
Daytona. That really feels like NASCAR's lane, not IMSA's. So let's leave that to Camaro's running in circles, not on the road course. That's a guess, but I'd say between that and it only being budgeted, to my knowledge, Graham, as a one-off for Lamar. I don't think any of this uh, would lead them to say, hey, let's go and try and run the car. But by the way, uh, just to recommend a piece, if you're, if you're interested in the Garage 56 car, take a look at racer.com from, I think, I'm right, just before Christmas. Uh, just look in the search engine and look for the Garage 56 Camaro. And Stephen Kilby uh, did some digging uh, into the program. I had a, I know a lengthy conversation with project director John Doonan um, about the cut through of that project in the wider media world, not amongst the specialist motorsport magazines, but the wider media world. And some really, really interesting stuff there. To say that that program outperformed their expectation would be a massive, massive understatement. Well, we must be running out of time. I, I, I'm going to push us on to a couple of questions because this is supposed to be a bit of a look forward to Daytona. We've got two or three questions here about Daytona as a spectator, including, I have to say, uh, what I believe might be the bravest, I'm going to call it brave for the moment, um, it's Dan Wooderich, and Dan says, <laughs> fellas, I'm attending my first race at Daytona for this year's Rolex. So far, so good, you might think. My lovely new wife is letting me take two days of our honeymoon to scratch this oh, off my bucket list. Dan, no. Dan, <sighs> you're going to pay for that in future life well no congratulations yeah, by well, the way says, both of you. yeah but he also says any thoughts on places to go things to see what to do yeah yeah got cancel your damn trip <laughs> and stay with your new wife you said she's lovely and we accept that on face value so make yep. sure that that doesn't change and not like her loveliness would ever change but the <sighs> amount of loveliness you receive like uh, take this from a guy who went to Hawaii to Maui to get married. Just my wife and I, uh, was there, got married, enjoyed, a staying a couple days after honeymoon, but the kind of the whole trip was effectively a honeymoon, but who was also getting up at, I don't know what time, 6am. Basically when the sun was coming up is when I would get up, grab my laptop, slide the the glass door open that uh kind of maybe looked out on the water a little bit uh and then tried to slide it close again very quietly as not to wake up my uh new bride to then spend whatever amount of hours on my laptop and on the phone trying to or remotely organize a uh, little factory subaru endurance racing program to go compete <laughs> at the 25 hours of thunder hill and and getting calls oh you're romantic you grumpy calls from the team owner who was just perennially grumpy um and needy and and just felt that well i know you're there to get married but you know you agree to do this therefore your time is mine kind of kind of scenario um i'm just saying that still granted it's become less it's become less of a thing but i'm just saying dan uh that was a bad call on my part. Very <laughs> bad. If I could go back and just remove all that and not have racing and nonsense, any part of uh, honeymoon and, and whatever, 
I would absolutely do that. So I'm just saying my places to go, things to see and what to do. Yes. Those are all things with your lovely new wife. Congratulations. And if you gotta, you got a phone, you can maybe, Hey, I gotta uh, go to the bathroom for two hours and close the door and put in your AirPods and watch the live stream of the race. But yeah. Uh, how's this? The recommendation is don't go. <laughs> if, if, There's if, other years, Tom. There's other years. Yeah. That if, said, if by chance you do, no, but yeah. if you do, let us know. If you've decided to jeopardize your new marriage by going, let us know and we'll come up with some answers. Um, Fine. Well, let's tell you what we can do is go on to Mason Covey and Michael O'Keefe. So Mason Covey says his second year attending. Uh, I think the first year might well have been his honeymoon. Any special must-do <laughs> things to do or special places to watch. Uh, having done it for the first time last year, can recommend watching the start of the race from the stands yeah. uh, and the run down to turn one, without a shadow of a doubt. That's definitely worth worth doing. Um, it's it's not the work of a moment to move between the stands and the infield at Daytona. There are trams that will get you there, but it is a bit of a hike. But it's certainly worth doing that for a bit of that atmosphere. And I also recommend, by the way, going and watching a little bit of the night racing from up at the top of the stands as well, because there's one heck of a view there. And it is totally different from anything else uh, in the world of motorsport the rolex 24 at night at daytona as for places to watch well you're gonna have more experience of that than i do mp um where where's your favorite place to watch those race cars trackside well someone asked this for uh, this week's edition of the racer mailbag so i'm just gonna read what i wrote here because it should answer uh and it doesn't give you specifics but it does give you directions um first recommendation is to check the track's website daytona international speedway for what you are and aren't allowed to bring in with food and drink based on that i'd plan on treating the uh the roar and rolex 24 events as a touring event which means having a nice rolling setup for uh for you if possible uh that has whatever you can have in a cooler plus folding chair umbrella rain gear and sunscreen it could rain it could yep. be warm. It could be both. You know, it's, it's one of those events where you never know what you're going to get and it, you could have it all. Um, the other option here is kind of a backpack setup with all those things. If you don't act, actually pull something around, um, although Daytona has giant grandstands that are quite comfy. This is not an event where you park yourself in a seat all day and all night long. Yep. And Graham just mentioned that. So go up there for sure, especially for the start on Saturday, but plan on using the tunnels to go into the infield and tour uh, from turn to turn. Stand and watch where standing is all you can do. Uh, And set up your camping chair and chill and watch the places where uh, that is possible. Another question, which I know this wasn't asked, but um, this was one uh, the person for the mailbag inquired about. What do you do? Do you go back to your hotel? Do you sleep in your car? Blah, blah, blah. During the event, uh, mention that I've slept in my rental car every time I've been there, except for last year when I was sick and needed to get proper sleep in a bed. Uh, so go with how you're feeling on which option to take. Um, and if you like to take photos, another thing to do because the fences, unless you by chance, y'all happen to be over seven feet tall, uh, buy a, small lightweight little plastic uh step footstool whatever it might be 
that you can, you know, attach to your backpack or, or ro- drag around with you. Because uh, there are a bunch of places where you will see folks uh, using them to shoot over the top of the fence uh, to get some good pans and whatnot. Obviously, you don't need that if you're just shooting head on or uh, trailing shots and such. Um, but that is the that is the thing to do, which is try and experience it all. And that's Absolutely. the cool part about an endurance race. To Graham's point, if we're just talking about race, the start of the race. Get up to the grandstands, high-ish, down towards turn one. You can see all the cars coming at you down the straight, going into the corners, heading back out onto the oval and whatnot. It's a really great vantage point. Um, Wander down into the infield and truly treat this like, hey, I got 24 hours. Uh, I'm going to spend some time here. Enjoy the sights. Enjoy the sounds. You might, again, start out at the exit of a corner half hour, hour, whatever it is, move around to the entry of the corner. You can see a lot of really cool things at Daytona and just apply that mindset. Last quick thing here. If you're someone who really wants to enjoy the race, like that's the thing I'm really trying to take in, but you're going to be there for, I don't know, uh, Thursday, Friday on track activity pace yourself on thursday and friday yep. it's a giant facility not a lot of corners okay <laughs> the majority of the lap is spent bombing around the big old nascar oval so just speaking from experience get all excited get to the track i want to go see it and see everything is going to be great and you do that on thursday and you come back friday and you're like Okay, I kind of saw everything. So again, I realize that there's lots more to happen, but if you're wanting this to just feel like a real new, big, fun, ongoing thing, you might say, "Okay, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna parse things out slowly so it doesn't feel like by 6 p.m. Saturday with uh, what 20 plus hours to go, kind of seen it all already." So, uh, other final thing. This is another question that we get sometimes. Hey, so do you stay up for the whole thing? Uh, please don't. I know that there's a, a bit of a like, ah, well, let's see if you can tough it out. And, you know, because keep in mind, it's not staying up for the 24 hour race. It's the, well, I'm going to get in at 7 or 8 a.m. or whatever. And then I have to leave at, you end up being up for 40 hours. If yes. you, right. So if you want to, as a first time challenge, go for it. If you don't have to be to work on Monday or Tuesday afterwards, because if you do stay up for the whole thing, maybe unless you're like 18 years old and already do that, you're going to be wrecked for pretty much the following week. So just saying, unless it's like a one-time challenge, if you don't want to ruin yourself for the rest of the week. Yeah. Be useless at work. Be grumpy and cranky and whatever. Uh, it is. There's no lack of awesomeness in tapping out and going, okay, I'm going to put my headset on, my earplugs in, whatever, and throw a little blanket over me sitting on my folding chair wherever and take a nap for an hour or go to the car or go back to the hotel. Um, yeah, just keep the following week in mind and base your decisions on what you got to do after the race on how you, uh, function during. 
Yeah, I'll add a couple of other quick things. Uh, the uh, On occasion, IMSA Racing gets a bit of criticism for the number of yellow uh, periods you do get uh, during the race. Those yellow periods, if you're at the track, are a good punctuation point to move location. Uh, so bar means watch what's going on, watch if the cars are going through a pit cycle, etc. But you've got time to move from one location to another uh, before the race goes back to green. Got two quick things before we complete this show, um, and we will be back together uh, next week, MP. And this is uh, the, the, it's the, the, the final question, actually. But before that, just want to mention uh, from Randy Maynard. He says, can I just be the first to call it Lamborghini SC63? Yes, you can, Randy. Congratulations. Um, Michael O'Keefe says, where might someone find MP and GG around the track during the weekend? Do not, do not say, in answer to this question, Marshall Pruitt, we're going to have some dinner and cocktails with Dan Wurditch's new wife. Don't say that, because that would be wrong. Knowing you, you would. So uh, we're going to try and keep keep you out of their relationship, you sicko. I'm not going to do that. Um, no, 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 I'm a, a one-woman guy. Good. She, I, in fact, I can see that she's, she, 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 she's reinforcing that now. Trudy's about to deposit a yes. shoe in a place where we will have to get some JB80. Surgery, Surgery will good be required. WD-40 to remove I think that we, shoe. we do have some plans, don't we? We do yeah. have some plans. So need to get that figured out. But as mentioned a little bit earlier, we're going to do a podcast for sure in the vendor yes. midway at the new Toronto Motorsports uh, trailer, which also doubles as the new FAF McLaren merch trailer. Uh, we don't know the exact date and time, but we will indeed be doing that. We're trying to make that a plus Hinch and Rossi. Uh, so we'll be there for sure at least once. Other than that, we are somewhat easy to find. Um, I'm a little taller than Graham, about twice as wide. Um, Graham just is very distinguished. Everything about him, it just, yeah, like if, if the UK had a smell, that's how, right. With Canadians, it's either poutine or, or some sort of, uh, amazing syrup coming out of maple tree. No, like it's, that's it's natural sausage, sausage, mash and Earl gray. Yes. Uh, bangers and Earl. I think that was also Graham stripper name in college, but really that alone. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll let you know. We won't hide the fact that we'll be somewhere. Uh, once we get into race week, probably I'm guessing a Thursday or a Friday, uh, <clears throat> vendor mid way uh torontomotorsports.com and yeah uh we who knows i'm sure we'll be around if there's a desire for some sort of prude day meet up which we uh tend to get mm. at events and that's not where listeners of the show bring us a variety of veal and pork and other things but a uh a m-e-e-t up um we will for sure make that happen because, uh, yep. look, we're just a bunch of idiots who love racing and make stuff uh, for folks who love it as well. And so, yeah, uh, although this is our job, we're kind of there in a very shadow way, just trying to be fans too. So don't tell anybody that. But, um, yeah, we'll be there. Love to see you. Reach out, social media for sure. Uh, I X. 
I'm now finally starting to get in the groove of not calling it Twitter, but I still fail. But on X, that's where I happen to look the most. So at Marshall Pruitt, uh, Graham, he's at DSC Daily Sports Car, at DSC Editor. So, yeah, just uh, hit one of us, two of us, whatever. And uh, if you're around, uh, we'll try and find you, say hello, give you some stickers. Uh, Should have some new stickers um to to give out uh saw the what i think is the final version of what our guy roger work is working on for Ooh. us uh we Always good. have yeah we haven't shown folks yet but we do have a new uh couple of new uh gt or we have one new gtp 2024 sticker with some different cars and or liveries uh mm-hmm. holding you're not able to do the new 2024 WEC uh hypercar version yet because we don't have liveries there but we will have some truly brand new because where 2023 graham and imsa was the year of gtp 2024 it is the year of gt uh we have some new stickerage coming new show tunes coming all celebrating gt roger sent over uh the proof of what will probably be the final version of uh the main one which is our first uh wide format sticker like i guess granted folks don't really put them on bumpers anymore but they're generally referred to as bumper stickers but well what what little i've seen of the the earlier draft it's extraordinary well i agree uh because we only deal with the extraordinary and that is just (laughs) a, a space that roger warwick he swims in that daily. So uh, we do have one question, which uh, he's just a really good guy. And I, I'm curious if you might answer this, although we've said we've already done the final question, but hey, it's our show. We'll kind of do with it as we decide. Uh, would you be so kind to answer the question from Larry Kwai, Lawrence Kwai, who says, thanks for all you do to produce this podcast. Can you describe the difference in LMDH and GTP regulations, Graham? That would lead yes. to the significant differences in relative performances for, say, the Cadillac entries. Mentioning in IMSA, they lead the pack, but in WEC, they struggle to keep up. So, is it a uh, a regulatory thing, Graham? What do you think? Dan uh, says no. Um, I think the, the difference is that we've got different cars in the WEC. The other difference uh, is that all of the cars. In the IMSA World Exports Car Championships GTP class, are at exactly the same points in their development curve. Whereas in the FI World Endurance Championship, that's fundamentally not the case. And in fact, for me, um, the Cadillac was the best of the bunch of the LMDH cars in the WEC for much of the season. It did have some some real howlers of race weekends, but uh, did the car did get to the podium. Uh, at Le Mans, that is some achievement. Uh, I think they had an awful lot going for it in terms of the kind of pace we could see from that car. They've got a lot to unpick, and they've been doing that in terms of the uh, tyre wear of a stink length. But I, d- I don't think there are minor differences. It's, it's minor aero differences are the uh, the ways in which that works. The other big difference with the IMSA Exports Car Championship is the way in which yellow flag periods are managed, which generally means that you will default towards 
a safety car, whereas in the WEC, we'll generally default, if they can, towards a full-course yellow, which means that we don't back the pack up for the most part. That is likely the major reason why you're seeing that difference in terms of the way those races are managed. It's not to do with the regulations for the car. It's to do with the regulations, the sporting regulations for the races. That, my friend, is, uh, is my answer. It may be wrong, but it's the one, the one I've got for you. With that, and with uh, Daytona uh, looming large, I'll be flying out early next week uh, to meet uh, MP Media Day, uh, which comes before the before the 24. Uh, a four-week stretch for me away from home, because we are back-to-back then with the Asia Le Mans series for a further two weeks in the UAE. Um it's thanks to everybody that's listening to this podcast. Thanks for everybody, of course, that's put in a question. We'll get to some of the others, I hope, in on the shows from Daytona proper. Thanks in particular, of course, Daniel Summerskill for doing a great job in turning those questions around so quickly. Uh, and thanks, of course, to Fast Technologies, to the Justice Brothers, and to TorontoMotorsports.com. He's been Marshall Pruitt. I've been Graham Goodwin. This has been the Week in Sports Cars, part of the Marshall Pruitt Podcast Collection. And we will be with you from Daytona next week. Did you just say he's the has-been Marshall Pruitt? Because that might be the most accurate description of me that's ever if been I did, made. It was a Freudian slip. No, it was say? not. And you didn't. But that's the way I heard it. And I'm like, <laughs> man, that's really good. I got it. Hey, who, hey I'm the has-been Marshall We can do t-shirts. Pruitt. Yeah. Well, we don't need more t-shirts. Good Lord. I spent, I, well, we're just going to keep this in because who cares. But I spent time over the weekend or Monday or whatever sorting through a giant pile of t-shirts and yeah uh we make very few t-shirts these days because there are so many that are left from years past that i've never worn i found i almost took a photo of it and sent it to you then i realized it'd be like 3 a.m and that wouldn't be very nice where you are um i found an original purple twisk t-shirt we can uh we can sports the, wow. the first one with Alicia. yes i mean that tells you right like we didn't that was what the beginning of 2017 when we didn't know which p2 was going to be the hey look at that little callback here this is kind of a nice full circle part of the show but we didn't know the uh, the areca was going to be the one we thought the uh the liger was kind of the best looking of them so we went with that and so anyways found a pristine never worn uh yeah original weekend sports cars or or my timing might be off might have been 2018 and we already knew the areca was good I don't know. Don't believe anything I'm saying. All I know is we went with Elige. Uh, but yeah, uh, boy, time, time's gone by. But yeah, found that. I also found a new, never worn. I don't know if this show's going to come back, Ram. I just don't have the time, but we'll, we'll try and do more interview uh, shows. Um, inside the sports car paddock. Oh, found one of those. With the purple Porsche. Yes. Yeah. I mean, how fun. Found those, and I'm like, God, this is bringing back good memories. So. Anyways, uh, there you go. Well, he ended the show. I added some more. I don't know if it was the right decision. I don't know if your life has improved at all. I it was our decision. No, but again, as it has been, these are the decisions that you make. But yeah, we will it, indeed. It couldn't, we'll be it doing couldn't a, possibly be a worse decision than that from Dan Woodrich. It couldn't be. Oh, damn, brother. Like, we just consider this your sports car intervention. Um, obviously, she's amazing because she married you while knowing 
you're a big sports car fan. So that's the first, like, clearly she's incredible, but let's just keep that going. Let's keep that incredible going. Um, I fly out Tuesday now, Graham, by the way. Uh, yeah. So instead of Wednesday flying to Orlando, flying Tuesday to Charlotte, because mm-hmm. Wednesday there's a little private uh, Garage 56 uh, brunch Ooh. lunch thing. And so I'm going to be there. We'll be there for that. Uh, and then I still don't know if I'm going to fly or drive down to Orlando. It's like six and a half or uh, Daytona. It's like six and a half, seven hours. Uh, but yeah, do that uh, Wednesday night and then we'll be on the ground Thursday. So I'm trying to decide whether it'd be smarter for you and I to try and capture a show on Monday or when we were on site there. So dear listeners, stay tuned. You'll know the answer to that question based on when you see one of these episodes pop up uh, on your favorite podcast feed. So with all that. Should I say goodbye again? Just for for completeness. We're getting a double goodbye. Because why not? For a second time, (laughs) thanks to Daniel Summerskill and everybody listening and submitting questions. This, uh, is, of course, the Week in Sports Cars. We're going to say thank you for a third time in this episode. What? This is the kind of value for money you get, Fast Technologies, with the Week in Sports Cars and Marshall Pro Podcast, uh, to the Justice Brothers and to torontomotorsports.com. He's Marshall Pruitt. I'm still Graham Goodwin. We have been the Week in Sports Cars. This is still part of Marshall Pruitt Podcast, a bit longer than we planned. We'll be with you from Daytona next week. But you didn't call me the has-been. <laughs> 